podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for another edition of the podcast that's not a podcast podcast. And today, I've got a divisive figure on the show. Toto, just uh, how embarrassing is this for, for you, home race for the, for the team, having Netflix here? You know, it's quite, you've got the outfits, everything was poised for the celebration, but you've ended up with a, a car in 11th and a car in a kitty litter. Can't be too good. You want to have a headline for the sun for me? I'm not going to give you a headline. I'll do that, don't worry. Yeah, I know. Um, it was a terrible day for us. Should I actually respond to you when you give me such an answer? Well, why not? It's... Um, Luis put the car in the wall and then we made the wrong call with the tires. Tires were not ready, but uh, yeah, I wouldn't want to pin it to one, one bad decision or one incident. There was a multitude of, uh, of things that, get, that went wrong. Sadly, it's not Toto Wolf, but I'll work on him. It's the other voice in that exchange, who is the Sun's Formula One correspondent, Ben Hunt. I got Ben on the line for a chat before the driver market got a bit crazy to discuss his job, the criticism he gets for working for the publication he does, and of course, that moment in Netflix. So Ben, welcome to the podcast that is not a podcast podcast. I know you'll love that sort of title. It's right up your street. Um, How are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you, until my son uh, ripped the radiator off the wall about half an hour ago. Yeah, a good man from British Gas is here fixing it. <laughs> we were going to record this a little bit ago, and uh, you said you had a bit of a drama. Um, how did he manage to rip a radiator off the rule? He's, he's clearly a strong lad. Yeah, I mean, he's very strong. He's, he's eight, and uh, it's all my fault because I've been taking too long with my stories today, and they were all itching to get out and on their bikes, and I think he was just a little bit too excited, and... Um, decided to climb up the towel rail rather than a radiator, a towel rail in the bathroom, which had just been finished, and all the tiled floor, and he's decided to pull it off the wall. So, um, yes, leaking water, that sort of thing. Not ideal in the middle of a coronavirus crisis. <laughs> no, not perfect timing. Um, so I'm glad to hear that you're triggered already for this podcast. This is going to be fun. Um, first things first, do you have a drink with you? Because I've got a, a bottle of Moretti. I, I do, yes. Um, I have a bottle here of Port City uh, Optimal Wit Belgian style white owl brewed with spices. Wow. From Virginia. From Virginia. Yeah. So uh, I'm going all out today. I like that. Is that a lockdown purchase? Have you got involved with some sort of beer delivery company? Who hasn't, Chris? <laughs> I haven't. I just, if I'm out shopping for essentials, then I might oh, grab a case. God. Oh, God. Well, you know, you're doing it wrong, I'm afraid. I mean, I've joined coffee club, beer club, wine club, you know, I mean, the list is endless and the things I keep buying. I mean, every day there's a knock at the door, paddling pools, swimming costumes, you name it, it's coming. Yeah, well, you're having to juggle juggle your job as a Formula One journalist with uh, being a parent as well, which is obviously not fun in lockdown when the kids aren't at school. Um, Now, as anyone listening can probably tell, Ben and I get on fairly well. Uh, We travel the world together, going to various Grand Prix, uh, but we don't always agree on things. So don't expect... No, we we, we, we certainly (laughs) don't always agree on things. (laughs) That's the whole point of this thing, isn't it? 
Well, yeah, it might be. Um, yeah, don't expect he's going to get an easy ride here. Uh, I've also not told him any questions in advance, just like everyone else. Uh, but he has seen this first one, and I'm going to throw it straight at him because Luke Smith asked on Twitter, what's your biggest fear on an F1 grid, Ben? And I think the listeners need to get to know you and how your mind works, and that's that you're very scared oh when you go to the Grand Prix, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, let's not go into how the mind works because, uh, you know... Who knows what they're going to find. Um, when I first got this job uh, back in 2012, I was all very excited. And then I had a few nightmares um, relating to going on the grid. And it all centred around Monaco and me being stuck on the grid when the lights go out and having to find somewhere to hide. So being out of danger but more importantly out of the sight of the tv cameras so um i managed to find some armco which i was hiding behind for what <laughs> 78 laps or whatever it was and just hiding away just trying to uh, avoid detect- detection and just basically just pooing my pants <laughs> well um you, sh- you you're not hiding away today to be fair to you because we've got questions from fans about all sorts and i think you know what some of the topics will be like but uh hopefully they can still see that yeah you're just as ridiculous as the rest of us um with some of your fears that's that is one of the greatest nightmares i have heard i'll admit um now moving on to a, a proper fan question not that luke's not a proper fan but he knew that so that was loaded uh, a guy called adam mitchell has asked if we race this year are you allowed near Mercedes fans? And how does it feel mm-hmm. to have the entire Netflix Drive to Survive audience on strings? Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, you know, I kind of knew... I can't say I didn't know Netflix were there. We, we knew they were filming. It was obviously quite quite obvious. But I think people need to go back to that race in particular and, and remember that everything that went before it, the silly outfits and everything like that it was just um it was all poised to fail and and you know there was so many it's a perfect storm like literally with the weather and and everything came together and then at the end of it i just i just felt like i had to ask that question it was the it was the question that we all needed answering you know how bad did it feel given the fact that it was such a spectacular failure um on so many levels um that i felt it was only fair to to ask toto that and you know, okay, he gave me a bit of a, a sharp reply, which I thought, you know, some people just take that and, and, and shut up, but I'm not really one of those guys. And I felt that, you know, if someone's going to come at me, then I can always go back. And we also have a relationship that means that we can do that and we can laugh about it. And um, we've spoken a lot about it since. I've spoken to Susie, who's who's laughed about it as well. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. I'm certainly not afraid of Mercedes fans. I don't think they should be afraid of me either. I mean, it's just doing my job yeah um we'll really get into this because there was a few questions about it uh, bella bam was another one who asked actually how it felt um after that was released and the anger you that was shown towards you because you did get a lot of abuse didn't you on social media for that yeah i mean it was quite um quite busy um you know i think the the, the initial thing was I, I knew it was coming um toto had spoken to me a few weeks prior and said um have you seen the new netflix thing coming out he goes you know that bit where you uh, we have a bit of an argument he said that's in it and i was like okay fair enough um so i knew it was coming didn't know what it would look like didn't really care and then um you know i started getting a, a few like heckles on on twitter and then it just got more and more i didn't even watch it 
and then eventually I watched it with my my wife and we we laughed about it and um I don't know I had a very busy couple of weekends just replying to the trolls who just felt like I was um out of order for the tone I was going and you know but I'm do you know what I'm allowed to do it it's not you know no one says you can't ask questions that's the whole point of my job and and to get responses um like that um but the the, the, the probably the frustrating thing was um when Mercedes sort of put out a message of support for me, which was very good of them to do so, but it just reignited it. And then I started getting more trolls, idiots, bots, that usual thing, just calling me names, usual thing, stuff that I've had to put up with since I was um, five or six years old, really, <laughs> going, going to school. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's just, it's just a bit silly, really, the, the abuse that I got. But I totally understood it. Um, but it was probably, you know, a little bit unwarranted. Um, but, yeah. It's well, done now. Yeah, if we focus on the fact that you hadn't seen it for a while, um, at the same mm. time, I hadn't seen that moment when everyone started talking about it. We were at testing, weren't we? Um, but do yeah. you feel that Netflix made you look bad? Uh, no, I think I do a good enough job of that myself. I don't think I can blame <laughs> Netflix. Um, I, th I, think, I think perhaps they could have gone to town a little bit more. I mean, you know... Okay, the, the I'm not going to say sensationalised, but it, of course they could have dramatised. Is that the correct TV phrase, Chris? I'm not, I'm not sure, but they could have they could have made a better job of it. I think um, you know they didn't they didn't perhaps need to. Um, well, perhaps they could have gone more to it. I I, I don't really know actually. I don't, <laughs> it's got, it's been a little while since I've thought about it, but um, I don't know. Uh, did I do I feel like they've done me a disservice? No, I probably deserved it. Um, do I deserve the criticism that I got? No. Do I think people misunderstand me? Yes. Uh, was I doing my job? Yes. Here we go. Nicely put. I mean, I was going to say, so uh, Paul Martin, who's the executive director on Drive to Survive and uh, the founder of Box to Box Films who produce it, um, he got in touch actually just before I called you saying that um, they never intended to make you look bad if you took it that way. Uh, but the exchange is actually in there for Toto's reaction because they thought that was really telling. Uh, the way yeah. he kind of almost snapped, um, and they thought you asked yeah. a fair question. So, I guess you were, you were the bad guy in that scenario. But you're exactly what yeah. uh, Formula One wanted to see, what Netflix wanted to see. And sometimes our job isn't all about uh, sitting around and being polite to everyone and being best friends, is it? No, no. I mean, I, do you know what, Chris? Like this, there's a whole bigger thing in 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 this. And okay, it may be me being a 40 year old man and understanding uh, newspapers and how they were. Um, but if we go back, let's not even go back that far. Let's go back 10 years. Um, you know, there was a lot of newspaper journalists going out on the beat doing a lot of F1 races and they would ask awkward questions. Um, the tough ones, the weird ones, the ones that the people at home who are casual fans may need to know the answer for. Um, but what actually happened of this, the upshot was that you actually built personalities and, and characters. Um, whether they liked it or not, you know, you might have been rubbing drivers up the wrong way, but you've got an answer for them and you've got to see a different side of their character. Toto is very polished. He's, he's a great man manager. You know, you, you listen to the way that all the Mercedes team, Lewis as well, talk about him and like they can't speak highly enough of him. But it's good to know that if you do push his buttons, then he can snap and he will get that edgy, spiky side to him as well. So... You know, I think that's 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 pretty good. I think you know you need 
we joke about this, don't we, quite a lot, but you kind of need sort of staff journalists that who aren't worried, fearing for their past, um, worrying about, you know, their, what, their, what their website are going to think, worried about what the fans are going to think, and just ask those awkward ones. There was another one with, with Vettel a few years ago where, um, you know, it was after Baku when he, when he ran Lewis off, and, you know, there was a little bit of an exchange in, in another press conference where, you know, people thought I should have shut up, but you know what, I didn't shut up and kept going because I felt like it was an, a, a, a question that I needed answering. He wasn't answering it. So, you know, I kept going and eventually it gave us a story and it was a talking point because we could see him getting frustrated and, and he finally snapped and you see a different side to people sometimes. Yeah, and I guess one thing that we've kind of got to remember from both sides is that fans obviously have their favourites and want to support drivers and, and like it when everything is good. But similarly, these are like you and I, and like fans are, they're human beings who do make mistakes and, and make errors. And when they're on a pedestal, like uh, Formula One drivers are, when they make those mistakes, it is yep. uh, your job quite often uh, and mine and, and other media reporters jobs to say, why have you made that mistake? Or what do you think of yeah. that mistake? And ask those awkward questions that, like you say, quite often they don't want to answer. And you have to, instead of just accepting yeah. them saying, I don't want to talk about that, you have to say, well, sadly, when it goes yeah. wrong, you have to talk about it. Absolutely. I mean, that's what they're, they're paid to do, isn't it? You know, drive the car, but also explain what went wrong. And, um, you know, F1 drivers will love talking about downforce points and um, wings, all that sort of stuff, which I know we're going to get onto later. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Your favourite. Um, now they love talking about that but of course they don't like it when they uh, make a mistake and they're being pulled up on it so um you know long may it continue let's hope that other people ask some some tough ones and you know eventually when we do get back running let's let's hopefully see some more characters because they are characters it's just they've not necessarily been allowed to um uh, develop their characteristics in front of us which is what is great about this esports series and Twitch and stuff like that. You're actually seeing the the, the real drivers, the actual people um, behind the helmet, behind the corporate facade. You know, you're, you're seeing Leclerc dressed up as a banana. You're seeing Lando Norris for, for what he is. And that's great. You know, we're actually getting to see their real personalities. You must have loved Leclerc dressed up as a banana. Did you do that as a story? Um, I'm not sure if we did. I certainly didn't write about it. But um, yeah, I loved it. I mean, come on, that's great, isn't it? I mean... You know, this, I mean, it is a fantastic story, isn't it? By the way, this guy just gets the game, spends five hours a day practicing, and um, is already two wins in on this series. And okay, esports, you know, a little bit unknown to me, but it's been fascinating to watch even him just get stuck in and start winning. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's some of these winners that just, he's so annoying. Can you imagine him at school? I bet he could do everything. Do you know what I mean? Like, he was bloody good at maths, English. French, Spanish, German, he could do the lot, and then he would play rugby, he could do all right at that. Cricket, probably never played it before in his life, but probably good at it. You know, it must be incredibly frustrating to be against him. Yeah, and his surname anyway. isn't something like Hunt, so he probably didn't get picked on either. Well, true, yeah. True. <laughs> um, now, a, a few kind of lighter questions that came in from fans, but there's also some still pretty um, hard ones to deal with, but good ones, I think. Uh, first one from yeah. Danny Herbert, who wants to know who is your favourite team principal? You mentioned Toto's um, personality and that, that relationship you have with him. Do you have a favourite? And who do you get on best with, at least, if, if not? Um, oh, favourite. I mean, I, used to, I really used to enjoy Ron Dennis because he was always um, so much fun. You know, he he really was a crazy character. 
the thing I didn't enjoy about Ron Dennis was transcribing the tape afterwards. That's probably the um, <laughs> that's probably the biggest downfall with that. Um, I don't know. Um, I like I like Christian Horner. I like Toto Wolf. Um, I like Zach Brown. It's difficult for me to to pick pick a favourite. You know, Otmar's good for a beer, isn't he? I mean, we've both had a drink of Otmar in Monaco a few few years ago. They're all all right deep down. I think once you take them out of the F1 bubble and away from you know their corporate corporate speak, they're all good guys. So. Um, I haven't really got a favourite, to be honest. I think it'd be wrong for me just to, to single one out. Yeah, I like what you said about uh, Otmar there, because I still like his style of um, Sunday night interviews. He'll quite often get a beer and sit down in the motorhome to do his post-race debrief. He'll get a bowl of crisps and he'll make sure everyone's got a drink if they want a drink. Mm. Uh, and, yep. and it's a very relaxed thing because he kind of realises, uh, which a lot of the guys do, to be fair, uh, which doesn't always come across with the way we all have to work, but he realizes we're there doing a job just as much as he's there doing a job. So it's like, okay, let's all get on with doing our jobs, you know, together in a relaxed environment. So I always enjoy yeah. that. You're right. Um, now, so moving quite quickly on to a harder question, but this is both positive and negative for you. It's from Craigo on Twitter who wants to know what has been your proudest moment in your journalistic career? Difficult. Um, probably getting this job um in the first place um i think i know that we'll we'll get questions about the sun later on but let me um start by giving you a little bit of boring background but it will tell you a little bit about me um i was a foul footballer at the age of seven which you obviously know having played football <laughs> with me a few times um big Wimbledon fan grew up watching them Vinnie Jones was my hero but I, I quickly realized that I was never going to be good enough to play football professionally and that that upset me a little bit one of the things I liked doing at school was was writing um and my dad was uh, a printer so I decided even at seven that what I wanted to do was become a journalist and a, a football journalist that's what I was um always aiming for so I went to, to, did all my education, went to university, did a postgraduate in journalism, worked all the way through. Um, and then I spent a good few years of my life working as a agency reporter. And for anyone that doesn't know what that is, it is actually the lowest of the low when it comes to journalism. You're, you're paid nothing, but you actually work very hard and for lots of organisations. So during those, those years, um, I worked for every single national um, newspaper in the, in the UK. Um, sometimes you'd go to a football match I mean the, the busiest one I had was um, it was a Tottenham pre-season game um, against Feyenoord a good few years ago but um, nine, I was working for nine newspapers so it was quite quite tricky um, you know everyone wants their report on the whistle and you know you're working for lots of different organisations different styles everything from the daily sport to uh, the times so um, different readers so, yes, you do a lot of, of learning um, there. And then, of course, when more up to date, um, when I was offered the job at The Sun, of course, you you take that because that is the leading sports paper in, in the UK. It was the thing that I'd always dreamed of doing, whether it was The Sun or, or any um, newspaper. The idea was to become a, a staff reporter. So when the UK's biggest one offered me a job doing F1, I, I jumped at the chance. So that's probably my, my proudest moment, getting getting there in the first place. Well, you're right that we're going to get onto the sun in a bit. But the second question from Craigo is the complete opposite to that then. And what are you most ashamed of? He's thinking that I'm going to say something like some Lewis story, isn't it? I know what he's thinking. <laughs> um, 
I'll, I'll be honest with you. Um, there have been a few moments where I've seen it in print and thought, oh, God, maybe that's not how it come across. Or the headline has done me a disservice there. I mean, you know, we always say this, but we don't write headlines. Um, but generally speaking, I'm not afraid of anything because, you know, I've, I'm the one that's done the story. I've pressed send. I have to live by um, what I say, what I think. Um, <laughs> there's one story I remember. Um, it was uh, Jensen Button. Um, I did a story when he was still obviously still in F1 and his contract with McLaren was coming up. And I did a story about uh, Williams looking at him and they were looking at him. It was a true story, you know, considering making a move for him. But of course, um, I put it in the paper. And then um, that very day, I think he, either he committed his future or Williams had committed the drivers that they had. Anyway, it killed, killed the story instantaneously. So, um, yeah, that's quite embarrassing. But, I mean, it was a true story. It was just that it had obviously moved on from when I had spoken to someone about it. So um, I'm not really embarrassed. I don't really get embarrassed by things. So, sorry, I haven't really got one. I mean, sometimes you look a bit silly with things that don't come off, but not really. I'm not really one to, to care or, or to worry about that. Well, sort of following up from that, then there's a guy called Nick Spriggs has sent in a question, which is a good one. It's, it's for both of us, actually. But it's how much pressure is placed on journalists to follow a publication's guidance against your own creative freedoms? So in a sense, how much is it that, you know, I've heard you on calls with your desk where they're asking mm-hmm. for one thing and you don't think it's a story or, or yeah. you know, you yeah. that you've got better knowledge than they've got. So how tricky is that balance to deal with? Yeah, it is sometimes. Um, I always use the, the phrase, don't let the tail wag the dog. Um, I'm employed as, as F1 correspondent at The Sun, and they trust my judgment. You have to obviously get to a position whereby they trust you to make the right call. Um, but sometimes there is a little bit of to and fro Um, You know, the, the person that I, I happen to speak to perhaps that day may not understand the point that I'm trying to get across, or they may see something as a bigger picture and I think this is a good lesson for for everyone that's listening to understand about journalism that certainly sometimes when you're in the moment you're in that f1 bubble if you take you you need to take yourself out of that f1 bubble and look at the bigger picture and if that bigger picture um is you know involving a bigger character um which you don't think is the story you sometimes need to just take stock of the of the of the wider perspective um and I think that's that's where the, the 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 misunderstanding gets. I mean, you know, I like to, you know, think that I I know what I'm talking about most of the time. And you you, you can think, well, oh, crikey, this guy's in the office. I'm I'm actually here in Brazil. I know the story. Um, but they're looking at from a from a bigger perspective and from a non F1 perspective. So sometimes you have to be prepared to um, give up your corner, and other times you obviously fight fight your corner. So. You know, I'm, I'll make a judgment on that. If I think that they are really uh, making a bad error, then I will fight my case and, and usually I'll win. Um, sometimes they'll win. So it's just a case of, you know, just look, looking at it from, from their point of view and sort of understanding what the publication wants. Yeah, well, speaking of the publication, um, this is the one that you knew was, knew was coming, but I hadn't actually explicitly told you. It's just, mm. it's go with the territory, doesn't it? Um, at Leclerc, mm. although spelt with an X rather than a second E, and uh, Susanna21 both asked this question. And I said I'd put it to you, yeah. even though there was a, a word I couldn't use in there. But um, why do you work for the Sun, essentially, is the question. Um, it, it doesn't have the greatest reputation amongst readers. There's a number of reasons mm. for that. But, but what... Why do you work there and, um, you know, do, do you think it gets or you get as a result uh, some unfair hate for that? 
Um, yeah, I mean, I'd probably go back to those people that asked the question and thought, you know, ask. I'd like to know where they work. Um, you know, every organisation can be criticised in, in one way or another. Um, it's obviously a, a tricky one for us. Um, what's the actual question? Why do I... Well, the first part was, why do you work for the Sun? Why do I work for the Sun? Let's, I'll, I'll answer that bit first. I work for the Sun because it is the biggest sports paper in the UK. And if anyone offered you the chance to fulfill your boyhood childhood dream as a seven-year-old working um, for a national newspaper, then I'm sure you would take it, whether it be the Sun, whether it be the Mirror or whatever paper had offered you that job. Fair? And I guess... Yeah, and I guess from your perspective, I mean, um, another guy that used to, well, you're still good friends with, I'm sure, but used to travel a lot with, Byron Young used to be the Mirror's mm. F1 correspondent, and not all these papers are still investing yeah. in quality coverage and in yeah. sending you to go and cover the sport, are they? No, I mean, you know, the, the, there's few of us left. I mean, what is there? There's three, four, four and a half, shall we say, national newspapers represented. Um you know, I, I think it's it's crucial. It's f for our readers. Whenever we do reader surveys, F1 is um, high. I mean, I, I, I say that the, the Fs, you've got football, fighting and F1. Um, that is popular amongst our readers. Our readers love motorsport. So, um, you know, we give it a good show when we, when we need to. And, you know, I'm glad that they continue to, to back me to to deliver that, that content and that coverage. Um, from an online point of view, our numbers were massively up on um, previous years, uh, last year. So that's a good sign. People are coming to us for, for stories. I will continue to deliver good, exciting content, which other people may well not do. Um, and I'm afraid if you like it, you like it. And if you don't like it, I'm sorry, tough. I'm working there. I enjoy working there. It's a challenge. It keeps me on my toes. But also, I think that we're doing a very good job. If you were to take the time and look at the presentation and, you know, the, the subjects that we cover, I mean, we're doing a better job than, than any other national newspaper, in my opinion. Uh, well, I guess another way of asking the question or a different question, because I'm quite lucky with the outlets I work for. They're all motorsport specific. Some of them are Formula One specific. Um, you kind of are interested in everything that's in there. But how hard is it for you in the sense that people tar the sun and everyone that worked for it and read it with the same brush? But that can be because of what's on the front page compared to the Formula One report you've done, which is so far like removed. Yeah. Uh, how frustrating can that be sometimes? Um, no, I mean, I'm thick skinned, Chris. You know, as I was talking about that Toto stuff earlier on, people heckling me and giving me grief and, you know, all sorts of stuff. I try to reply to a lot of those tweets to um, just to give my side or to have a little bit of fun it comes with the territory of being thick skinned. Um, yes. Sometimes when you see certain things trending and people abusing you and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. It can be a little bit hurtful, but um, you know, I just get on with it. It's, it's one of those things. It was a dream to work for the best selling UK um, uh, newspaper. And that's what I'm doing. So uh don't shoot me for um, any grievances that you have elsewhere. You know, we can't control over what, what goes elsewhere in the paper. And that's the same at every single newspaper, you know, and every single business. Let's just, you know, if someone was working for the government, you know, as a civil servant, you're not going to hammer them for your opinions about Boris missing the COBRA meetings on the coronavirus. You know, it's, it's, it's just one of those things, isn't it? 
yeah, that's that's a very good way of putting it. And um, and what's the situation like at the moment actually for you? Because in lockdown, is it trickier? I mean, has it been uh, unstable? What's it been like? I think you have to be a little bit more creative. And what's quite nice from, from my point of view, it's like going back to my agency days, which I was talking about before, and that's sort of drumming up stories that you wouldn't necessarily um, think would make the paper. You have to have a bit of, uh, you know, one of the, one of the things I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the moment is uh, into NASCAR, which, you know, we certainly don't feature um, in our newspaper for obvious reasons. In fact, it's only in America. So, you know, but um, the fact that their season is looking like it's going ahead, um, it's sort of, you know, I, I'm, I'm quite keen as to how they're going to get that going, ways around it, what testing they're doing, um, and also just their perspective. I mean, you could have millions and millions of people watching this racing series who ordinarily wouldn't bother. So, you know, I'm trying to make contact with them. It's just about thinking outside the box. Let's just forget about waiting what, what Lewis thinks about X, Y, and Z, and, you know, waiting for Toto or whoever. Let's go out and get stories. So, uh, you know, I talked to... Silverstone bosses quite a lot, um, talk to F1 bosses regularly and obviously, you know, drivers are a little bit of a no-go area at the moment with regards to, to what they're actually doing because they're all just doing sim racing. So let's look at other stories, other avenues and, and, and try and give someone else a, you know, a little bit of a limelight. So um, piece that I did the other day on, on Lewis's brother, you know, raising his money and all that sort of stuff, you know, like it's little stories like that, which ordinarily wouldn't see the, the light of day. Yeah, um, well, we'll actually get on to Lewis a little bit at the end. I wanted to ask you a few questions about him. Obviously, he's a huge figure for you uh, covering Formula One, but uh, some, some really serious stuff. Have you stuff seen the tattoo? Have you seen my Lewis tattoo? Yours? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're such a fanboy. Um, no, I've got a serious question. You're going to be, need to be ready for this. This is, um, you okay. think other ones are tough. Uh, I've had lots, actually, so I've had to just group them together. There's been loads of questions about the bin situation in your area. Oh, I thought I'd never asked. Now, why why is this? Why are you getting all these questions from other people in F1 about your bins? Because they're idiots. That's why. <laughs> uh, no, Who are they? I'm joking. <laughs> Listen, I am um, a, a father and I am a homeowner and uh, I have to uh, look after the things that matter to me. And that is the family, um, the cat, the cars, the motorbike and the bins. The bins are very important because they're... Uh, <laughs> Who wants overflowing bins? So uh, my local council, like a lot of people, have decided to do this multi-recycling nonsense. And we have problems bin days. They always chuck it down the road and everything. So uh, I'm often moaning. But you'll, you'll be glad to know I have a new thing now. Um, the, man at the, bottom of the, the man at the bottom of the garden, uh, he has decided that he likes bonfires. So... Every single night, around about five o'clock, he lights a fire. But God knows what he's burning. He's probably doing bodies because um, the smell and the smoke and everything that's coming our way. So not me, but my neighbour either side have written to the council to complain about Mr. Bonfire. And um, yeah, he's our new, our new favourite. So uh, yeah, listen. We're all in this coronavirus lockdown together. I don't want to be running around, closing the windows and getting the washing off the line. All those F1 things that people in F1 <laughs> do. Um, you know, um, I don't want to be doing that. So that's my new, my new thing. The bin situation is good. Southern Council are sticking to their word and the man keeps coming around and collecting. So I can't moan at them. It's the uh, fireman at the bottom of the garden. He's, he's the new baddie. 
Right. I'm glad that you do have someone to focus on in these tough times. Um, Very important. It is very much so. I like the way that, you know, those people might have felt a bit of sympathy that actually this is a normal guy here. Like he's worrying about his family and his cat yep. and his and his household. Yep. And then you the then radiator you've been ripped off the wall and the water leaking into the kitchen. But then you've put on the same level was the bins. So you put your family in the wow. bins on the same list. So Yeah, similar. Yeah, good effort. Yeah. <laughs> um anyway, moving on. I've got another question in from Motor Racing UK magazine, actually. Uh, wow. Who say Eddie Fiola? No, you might be about to because I think they're fancy. I was looking at this. <laughs> Eddie Fiola on a GT Performer. Is there anything better? Oh, excellent! A BMX. Oh, thank you. Look, thank you, matey. That's really lovely. You're I've got to stop. I've got to just. Uh, I can talk, Ted. Yeah. I'm doing a podcast at the moment. So Chris, Chris is there recording. Do you want to say hello? Oh, hi, Chris. We can hi, leave Ted. this in. Yeah, that's this fine. Is this is hi, Teddy. Teddy. Who? Who has um, was ripped the radiator off the wall, and I really, really bollocked him earlier on, and I'm really sorry. Okay, I, I didn't, know. I didn't mean to shout. So at you. it's okay. And Ted's bought me a beer. So oh, that's cool. Just, just for him to drink. Oh, good. And Coke as well. Yeah, and Coke as well. So yeah. Oh, good. Um, and another drink of wine. Beer. That's beer. Oh, good. I'll catch you later. Having three beers. <laughs> well, you'll enjoy it. Coke. That is. Yeah. Keep bringing them, Teddy, after you pulled the radiator off the wall. I think he needs more. Not yeah. <laughs> right. Thank you, matey. I'll catch you later. You're welcome, Dad. Love you. Cheers. There we go. What a was moment that... for your podcast was... listeners. I was about to say, that, 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 that was a plan, wasn't it? Did you say to him, come in at this time? <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. He's, he's come early because I haven't finished this, this drink first. <laughs> what were we talking about? We were talking about something serious, wasn't we? I was, um, no, I, I just saw in the question. No, be next. Yes. yes, there um, is no better site. There is no better site except for having one yourself. Um, I'm very tempted to buy a Rally Burner. Um, they've remade those, and yeah, I've got a, got a couple of bikes that I'm working on at the moment. I've got um, a Rally Wildcat from 1987 that is in pieces, needs rubbing down, and lots of new parts. But I'm a bit bit dismayed by Rally parts. They're uh, they're not not great. Um, so yeah. So that's something you do in your spare time is you build BMXs. Yeah, I mean, not just BMXs. I've, I've built a bike, bike myself, but I've always tinkered with bikes. But um, yeah, I just love it. I, I mean, we've probably got, um, I don't know, nine bikes, I think, now in the house. Um, in, in the shed, actually, not, not in the house, because that would be ridiculous. Um, <laughs> in various different stages. Most of them are built. Um, but we love it. I love going out on my bike. I love going out on my BMX. I bought a, um, a road bike. But I, I tend to, a lot of them, I tend to buy as, um, as frames and then just rebuild them. New bearings, you know, usual thing, pedals, brakes, tyres, inner tube. Basically, just strip them all down, rebuild them, or paint them, and then rebuild them. So I've just finished one with Ted, um, which is a black and pink uh, We the People curse from about 2012, is it? 2013, an old one. But all new parts so um, effectively the only existing part is that is the frame itself so everything else on it is brand new and we've done that in black and pink which is it's cool looks really good oh nice well that actually covered off the other question which was the last bike you built um yep. but there's still one more uh fan question from bella bam who asked me earlier as well but wants to know if you're a racer at heart because you mentioned football was your first thing that you wanted to cover yeah. but but racing is is that a big passion of yours 
Yeah, it is actually. I mean, it's funny when we were talking um, yesterday about um, Ratzenberger or talking to him at home, um, and then obviously the, the, the Senna death as well. And we all remember where we are. And I remember um, actually being at the, the Guardian um, with Dad um, when the news broke. And in feeling incredibly sad because I was only just getting into motor motor racing then. Um, I'm not uh, a, a, an absolute nerd. I will not watch every single F1 program going. Um, I do like racing. I've always been a fan of of motorsport. Um, but yeah, I mean, you always remember that centre moment. And and I watched at home as we all did back in the day on Sundays after dinner or before dinner. And it was always a, a good good thing, you know. We always tuned in loved a bit of motorsport um but yeah football's football's probably my my number one um i just love football uh, i enjoy working in football enjoy playing football badly uh but yeah i think i think it is in that order football and in formula one but you know petrol head but not not a not an absolute nerd yeah um can i can vouch for badly playing football um but yeah you mentioned ratzenberg and senna and obviously um one of uh, Senna was one of Lewis's idols. So I just want to round off talking about Lewis because uh, as a writer for a UK newspaper, Lewis Hamilton is obviously mm. central to the things that you have to write about quite often. Uh, one of which has been, you're trying to work out where he is right now in the world, aren't you? From his yeah, Instagram. I think I've figured it out, but I'm, I'm not at liberty to say, I'm afraid. Right. Okay. Um, well, I'll let people you know find out from your Twitter or whatever at Ben J Hunt, if yeah, they want to do that. Well, yeah. Yeah, I think um, I've. Um, I think I've, I know where he is. Well, good, good stalking. But um, let's talk about talk about Lewis. And what's your relationship like with him? Because it, it you yeah. must have to have a quite a. Uh, I don't want. I don't know if it has to be a good one, but you need a strong sort of relationship with him because he's so central to yeah. what you. Yeah, I think I think like all relationships, there's good, good and bad. Um, you know, I've known Lewis for for a long time now. Um, and through good bits and bad bits. But I think what sums it up for me nicely, and you know this story, but when people were, were hammering him, um, not F1 people I had, but people outside of F1, uh, when he was outspoken about um, being vegan and saving the planet, and lots of people sort of come down on him saying that he was a hypocrite. And I just felt that that's, that's unfair because I kind of know him um in a sense that i know how his mind works what he was thinking i think that's that's one thing with lewis i think the more time you spend with him the more you understand him and a lot of the time when you see his quotes in black and white they're not the way that he intended him and intended them to mean and and i think that is the biggest problem and of course the benefit that i've got is the fact that i think i know the point that he was trying to make so anyway I defended him, wrote a story about how his stance should be applauded. You know, he's a sports star. He's got an opinion, um, how I deal with footballers um, and everyone is too afraid to speak out. And certainly in F1, that's the case. I mean, not many people speak their mind. I mean, we can bring this up to date with regards to um, coronavirus in Australia. I mean, asked a lot of drivers on that thursday um about the coronavirus and a few of them were sitting on the fence you know we trust the fia to make the right decision all that usual nonsense when lewis was the one who come out and called it how he felt uh, was the case 
I can't believe we're here. It's, you know, money. What was it? He said, cash is king, all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, that was him getting it off his chest. And you can bet that the majority of the drivers in that room all felt the same, but he was the one who was willing to stand up and say it. So I applaud him for that. I wrote an article saying, well done for speaking out against your, or, or not against, but supporting your, um, beliefs in the fact that climate change and veganism and blah 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 and he pulled me aside i think it was in mexico and he just said look thanks so much for writing that piece and i said well it's all right you don't have to thank me it's just how i feel i mean i don't do it to to be your mate i do it because you know i'm reflecting at how i feel um that you're you know what, what you're saying is absolutely correct so you know and he just said thanks you know i appreciate it and i was like okay cool that's that's great you know so i think he does have that that relationship we we do get on fairly well we've done quite a lot of stuff through um monster in the past um and, and bits and pieces and you know we've done a few hot laps and taxi rides all that sort of stuff so you know we have a good a good relationship but of course like everything you know it's it's always very delicately balanced and of course if i step out of line or he thinks that i'm stepping out of line then he'll come down on me like a ton of bricks but also it's the same way if i think that he's behaving incorrectly or or whatever then i will say the same to him and, and and call him out on it so i think that's what people again getting back to a lot of those earlier questions you know i'm not afraid to to tell people how it is or how i feel if someone's out of line so, you know they've got to be pulled up on it and uh, you know sometimes people hate me for doing so but you know that's just the way it is and i guess it shows that you're willing to take it if it's dished back at you. Like if he says same towards you, you're like, well, yeah, that's the way this relationship works. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, I'm employed to be a journalist, not a fan. So uh, that's the way that, that I look at it. And, um, you know, it, it's not just him. It's FIA. You know, I'm not afraid to, to call them out if I think that they've been behaving incorrectly. I will do so. Same as F1, same as, same as any team, any driver, any team boss. You know, it's, it's, it's there. If, 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 if I think they're, you know, not telling the truth or something's amiss, then you just have to say it, don't you? Yeah. Well, I, I know that you do come down on people um, pretty pretty heavily because you did with your son earlier for ripping the radiator off the wall. So I'll, I'll let you get away and see how progress has gone there with the British gas man, see if it's all fixed for you. Uh, and I think Absolutely. what's what is it else you're doing tonight? Is it there's an any disco you're putting on? Are you being a DJ in your spare time? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I mean, I'm just a bit fed up like everyone else. Um, you're stuck indoors, can't go out. Um, one of the things, one of the benefits of this coronavirus is the, the fact I've listening to so much music. Certainly at the morning with my, my little daughter, she's um, one next month, um, and playing music to her, she's really enjoying it, and, and obviously Teddy as well. But I'm going back into my, my retro sort of indie pop, so I'm going to host a virtual pub jukebox type thing on zoom so hopefully uh a few people can can tune in and listen so that's the idea anyway well i'll, I'll tune in because you've uh you've been good value on this so uh i'll, I'll come and give you a at least one listen on that um but don't expect that's me to bring funny. it a bit like like teddy did because no yeah. i know he's it's good isn't it i mean what yeah. good service maybe i should tell him off more often yeah well, any time you're doing podcasts or uh, next time you're on Sky Sports <laughs> or something like that, you can be like, yeah, Teddy, just drop in at the right time. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, but honestly, um, thanks very much. Appreciate yeah, your time today, especially in the face of all that drama and your honesty. Um, 
in the face of those questions because we didn't shirk any. There was there was none that were cut out or anything like that. It was everything people wanted to ask or even just say at you, which I'm glad you uh, you were willing to deal yeah. with. So uh, Ben, thank you very much for for joining the podcast. That is not a podcast podcast. Uh, enjoy the rest of your time in lockdown. And uh, for anyone else who is still listening, check out previous episodes of the podcast featuring Zach Brown, Pierre Gasly, uh, photographer James Moy. We had F1's Lance Barreto and ESPN's Nate Saunders on previously. Uh, that's all on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or direct on Podbean. And for more pointless rambling, I'm on Twitter at Chris, Med- Chris Medland F1, where new episodes are pushed to death. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed listening. And if you didn't, well, it's over now. Sports Social Podcast Network.